Are You Just Watching is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design from djosephdesign.com, where you can get a website design, website hosting, presentation design, a podcast production, or some consulting services, all sorts of cool stuff. You have a message that deserves to look great. So make your next message look or sound great by hiring D. Joseph Design from djosephdesign.com. Are You Just Watching is also produced, or rather sponsored, by dkingdesigner.com for publication design. You want to write a book, maybe, and instead of just handing off a Word document to a publisher and they do something really weird with your design and you don't like it, you can get your publication design done by dkingdesigner.com and you'll have something really nice and professional to then hand off to your publisher. So check it out, dkingdesigner.com. Are You Just Watching? Episode 15, Ice Age, Part 2. I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. And welcome back as we share critical thinking for the entertained Christian. It seems like every time we sit down to record an episode, one of us is saying, you think we'll get two parts out of us? (laughs) Nah. Nah. It's a one-parter. This movie was only an hour and... What was it, 14, 15 minutes or something yeah. like that? It was really short. I didn't think there was enough content in this <laughs> to possibly generate two episodes. But then again, there's so much external to the movie that we wanted to talk about that it mm-hmm. easily is filling two parts. Yes. So previously, we talked about the Ice Age, mechanics of the Ice Age. We talked about extinction. We talked about supposed evolutionary breakthroughs that don't <laughs> turn into very much brain size, and we talked a bit about reviewing what critical thinking is. And I want to remind you again, if you're just subscribing to the show, go back and listen to some of our past episodes, especially episode one, where we discuss what is critical thinking. But for this episode, we will continue our discussion of Ice Age, the first movie. Even though this is part two, we're still talking about Ice Age one. <laughs> Got it? <laughs> okay. Let's continue on. So, some of the things that I know some people are probably going to start questioning is last episode we talked about many times we referred to the global flood. And very briefly, I just want to point out in scripture because some people I know don't believe in a global flood. And some people also, though, believe in millions of years. Mm-hmm. And if you accept millions of years, then you cannot accept a global flood. Your flood that you read in scripture would have to be something localized if you accept millions of years, because a global flood would completely destroy that. The the evidence. appearance, yeah, yeah the, the evidence, evidence of, of millions of years. So God didn't even create with the appearance of age, which I've heard some people reference because the flood would have destroyed that and reset the biological or geological clocks anyway. But some people will question, does the Bible really explain a global flood? Was it just a local event or what? So let me read to you some from Genesis 6 and 7, some select verses, to help clarify that this was going to be a global flood. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 7, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. So there it's obvious he's killing lots of creatures. Now it doesn't say yet all, but keep listening. In verse 12, God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. 
not just with your country, with the earth. And so then God describes how Noah should make an ark to save himself, his family, and two of every kind of land-dwelling, air-breathing creature, and seven of some. And then it continues on in verse 17, says, Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. Continuing on, verse 19. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. And he describes what to take on the ark, and Noah does that. And then in chapter 7, as it's describing the actual events of the flood, in verse 4, chapter 7, verse 4, For after seven more days I will send rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. And continuing on, chapter 7, verse 11, In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on that same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky opened. The rain fell upon the earth for forty days and forty nights. Continues on, (laughs) saying in verse 17, Then the flood came upon the earth for forty days, and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heaven were covered. Water seeks its own level. Mm -hmm. So you can't cover one mountain without covering another mountain. And then it says the water prevailed 15 cubits higher and the mountains were covered. All flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life died. Thus he blotted out, this is verse 23, thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left together with those that were with him on the ark. Including dinosaurs. Yes. (laughs) So it's pretty obvious from Scripture, just a straightforward, very easy to understand reading of Scripture, Mm -hmm. that all, everything, every, under heaven, Mm -hmm. across the face of the earth. It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. And the Bible is explicit about it. And But then you you look at, uh, like, anthropological records from secluded peoples all around the world, and almost every culture has a flood myth, a flood story that they tell. It it goes from even the most remotest, smallest tribe hidden in, in... you know, jungles that are, haven't been touched by the modern world, they all have a flood story of, of where their people came from and, and how they survived the flood. Mm-hmm. And it always, almost always has to do with a boat and animals and people being on the boat. Not all of them, but a good majority of them. So the Bible is the ultimate truth, but you can actually see versions of that truth in every culture. Yes, as it's passed down through mm-hmm. generations. And why not? Because that's a major event in Earth's right. history. Everybody, and, it, that our kind of racial memory is it's not something we're going to forget. Mm-hmm. We're, it, we're going to talk about it. We may not get all the facts right, but even if, if, if we didn't have access to the Bible, it's still something that would have gotten passed down and talked about. And even scientists will admit that you need some kind of catastrophic event to make fossils. Mm -hmm. And they even say that there have been localized floods in these different regions around Mm -hmm. Earth. But what they won't agree with is a a global global. flood. And I've always found it amusing that that scientists will look at the planet Mars that has no water, (laughs) no liquid water on it at all. And they will say that looking at it from just, I mean, we haven't even been on the planet Mars. We haven't walked on the planet Mars. But yet they will look at it with, you know, the the ways that we've looked at it through telescopes and through remote missions to Mars. And they claim that there's evidence on that planet of a global flood. 
And yet they ignore all of the evidence that is just surrounding us mm-hmm. of a global flood here on our own planet. And we're, what, 70%? Yeah, more than 70% covered in water. water. And not to mention the historical record that's mm-hmm. in the Bible. The Bible right. is not just a collection of stories. It is a historical record of earth history mm-hmm. and of human history. And wherever it touches on science, geology, astronomy, biology, anything... We can trust it as absolute authority, and true science confirms the Bible's history. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take up an offering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always end up doing that at some point. I get preachy. Get preachy. Times. So back to the movie, which is about an ice age, not a global flood. <laughs> not a global flood. Well, well at it, least not this one is. There was a, uh, something that was presented quite a bit in this movie, and it's the nature uh, between carnivores and herbivores in, in the movie. You have the the tigers that are hunting the humans because the humans hunt the tigers. And you have uh, the rhinos who are mad at Sid and try to kill him, but they're actually herbivores. And you have uh, Manny who says he doesn't like any animal that kills for fun. And we ju- it's just this topic of of killing and and basically the survival of the fittest Manny or dog-eat-dog kind of world mm-hmm. uh, is brought up a lot. And one of the things that, uh, that as young earth creationists, we take from scripture is that animals didn't start out eating each other. That was not the way God created them. In a perfect world, the only thing that was considered food was plants. So all animals were originally created to be herbivores, including humans. And that comes from Genesis 1, uh, 28 through 30. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, and it shall be food for you, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And even when, as the scripture that Daniel just went through, that talking about the flood, when, when God told them what to put on the flood, he told them, and as for you, take for yourself some, all, some of all food which is edible, and gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them, referring to the people and the animals on the ark. So they were taking uh, a plant-based food mm-hmm. on the ark for all of the occupants of the ark. And then in Genesis 9, 2 through 4, this is where we see where things changed. It says, The fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky, with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand they are given. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give it all to you as I gave the green plant. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. So that was when God... uh, basically told man that he no longer had to eat just plants. And that was where uh, the nature of eating meat, the carnivorous nature of plants and man, or animals and man, oh, yes, carnivorous plants. We do I'm have, sure there are, yeah, there are some carnivorous, carnivorous plants. Yes. Um, with all of the uh, that whole prohibition against eating animals went away, and now we have uh, car- carnivorousness. The interesting thing that I found about Ice Age was that they had animals behaving in non-animalistic ways. Most animals do not kill uh, for for revenge or for, uh, well, I, I might, could say some animals might kill them, kill you if you irritate them. <laughs> yeah, but that's not really revenge. It's like, not revenge, yeah. You killed my brother. Yeah. <laughs> no, you killed my father. No, prepare to die. <laughs> uh the other thing that I found interesting about well, them... I've got a sound clip for that, okay. actually, is when those tigers are looking at humans, this mm-hmm. dialogue comes up, and interestingly, they quote scripture. Oh, wow. Oh, look at the cute little baby, Diego. Isn't it nice he'll be joining us for breakfast? It wouldn't be breakfast without him. Especially since his daddy wiped out half our pack and wears our skin to keep warm. An eye for an eye. Don't you think? Hmm. He is seeking revenge. Mm-hmm. Because of something the humans did, so he's holding a grudge. He's holding a grudge, which animals don't do. 
The other interesting Cats thing. do. Well, tiger. <laughs> the interesting thing about the, them using tigers in a pack of tigers is, as far as we know, tigers of all the cat cat family are the most solitary of hunters. They don't hunt in packs. The only cats we know of that hunt in packs are lions. But they use tigers in this movie, which I found very interesting. That saber-toothed tigers. Yeah, you don't. Tigers are always all all the various species of tigers. They're all solitary hunters. None of them packed together. So that even that is kind of twisted. I think one of the reasons why they did that is because this movie talks a lot about herds, mm-hmm. and they're referred to as a herd in so many different senses. And in fact, I've used this movie as an illustration in a Sunday school lesson <laughs> that I taught in speaking about teaching kids about what it's like to be a part of the family of God mm-hmm. and use this as a visual illustration of herds and the different herds in the movie, different families, you could call them, mm-hmm. within the movie. And they, and they bring, and I can see why that would be a, a very a good illustration because you have... Uh, basically people, and I put that in quotes, in a various walks of life brought together by a common goal. Mm-hmm. You have a mammoth and a tiger and a, a human baby and a, a sloth all together calling themselves a, a herd. And I believe you have a, a soundbite for that as well. Yeah, this is shortly after there's an incident where the mammoth, Manny, Manny <laughs> saved... Diego the tiger, even though they have this really harsh relationship between the two of them, he still saves him. And so that's why Diego then asks him this question. Why did you do that? You could have died trying to save me. That's what you do in a herd. You look out for each other. Well, thanks. I don't know about you guys, but we are the weirdest herd I've ever seen. <laughs> what is it, that uh, radio program that's called Jesus Freaks? That's what it makes me think of. As, as Christians, we are the weirdest herd. I mean, we can pull together people from every walk of life, every ethnicity. There, when, when your common love and your common goal is God, mm-hmm. it, there's really no exclusiveness. The only exclusiveness is if you aren't one of one of God's family. That's the only thing that can exclude you from the family of God is a denial of Christ. Right. It's really like we are split into only two races. Well, first of all, we don't believe in human races. Mm-hmm. There are people groups and cultures, but there's really there are really only two races. One is racing toward heaven, and one is <laughs> racing toward, toward hell. hell. Yeah. It's spiritual races. You're either saved or not saved. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you say, it's that being among the saved race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I don't like using that word because it has so many connotations. Being among the saved gives us a unity unlike anything anyone else ever has seen. Mm-hmm. And th- that quote also referred a little bit to the whole laying down your life for another and that's scriptural, too. In John fifteen thirteen, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And one of the things I've thought unique about true Christianity, um, when you have the true faith of God in your heart, is a willingness to lay down your physical existence on behalf of someone else. Because for Christianity, for Christians, our... Our eternity is more important than our physical existence, and so we're more interested in seeing other people saved mm-hmm. than than we are worried about our own lives. At least we should be. I'm not saying that all Christians are perfect in that. We all stumble in many ways, and I think that that's probably uh, the, possibly the greatest demonstration of true faith is the ability to especially lay down your life for an enemy, somebody who is against what you are and against what you stand for. and But to be willing to put yourself, let's say, take a bullet for somebody mm-hmm. that isn't saved because you know where you're going and you know that where they're going is not not a good place. So you want to give them the opportunity to live longer so that they can correct where they're going. And so you're willing to give up your physical existence for them. At least, to me, that's the greatest possible demonstration of mm-hmm. a true Christian faith. Now, 
non-Christians do it too. Oh, yes. But they're sacrificing a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Because really, for us, it's not too much of a sacrifice. Because no. we know we're going to go to a better place if we give our life so that someone else can live mm-hmm. and have an opportunity. I think, speaking of life, did you know Ice Age makes a pro-life statement? Uh-huh, it does. Actually, <laughs> the whole movie mm-hmm. is, in a sense, pro-life because they're talking about saving a, a baby. baby. Mm-hmm. But it's a born baby. Well, there is this one little line that some people might miss it, and I know I'm taking it out of context. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but I just thought it was funny that Sid says this when they're about to go into a really scary cave. No thanks. I choose life. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's pro-life. Yes, it is pro-life. Choose life. Actually, I think most people are pro-life. It's just unfortunate that some people have a different definition of what life is yeah they're definitely pro their own life Mm -hmm. not necessarily pro someone else's life and speaking of life and the sanctity of life there is the wonderful chapter in psalms psalm 139 that speaks so much to how god has made us like Psalm 139.13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks for to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. And I suggest just read Psalm 139, the entire psalm, and it encourages you to oh, yeah. choose life and realize that God chose life. He chose mm-hmm. us. He chose our life to save Mm -hmm. and to make us specially in his image. One of the other creatures I love besides Scrat are the dodo birds, (laughs) (laughs) which I love the way that they made the dodo birds because just as it is, dodo is, you know, taken as an insult kind of call someone dodo brain or you dodo or anything like that. And they made the birds like that. Mm -hmm. That's just really whacked out and kind of crazy and there's a there are a lot of interesting statements made when we first get to meet the dodo birds and their training for the end of the world is listen to everything in this short clip i don't know but i've been told i don't know but i've been told the end of the world be mighty cold Yes, I guess it does in some ways. The dodo didn't survive. Of course, we don't really know what caused the dodo to go extinct. It could have been any number of things. Well, obviously, they're stupid. Oh, really? You can tell that from the fossil record? Yeah. <laughs> and from the movie, too. Oh, yeah. Well, the movie, of course. Yeah, the dodos are great. They're very end-of-the-world-like. And in... In Ice Age 2, we also see more about the dodos. No, wait, those aren't the dodos. Never mind. But they do also have this end-of-the-world mentality, and they explain what's going to happen with the Ice Age. And we talked about the mechanics of the Ice Age in Part 1, which you can find at areyoujustwatching.com slash podcast slash 14. But I'll play this little clip for you here. This is our private stock! for the ice age subarctic temperatures will force us underground for a billion billion years (laughs) great little guys billion billion years family is also talked about in this and even marriage Mm -hmm. in a a kid's movie marriage Mm -hmm. is talked about and made some some good statements Mm -hmm. about marriage now first of all about family Sid is cast out kind of of his family. And there's the whole concept of the herd, like you were talking about, and being a family. And Sid makes this interesting statement about his perspective of family. (laughs) My family abandoned me. They just kind of migrated without me. You can see what they did last year. (laughs) You know what I mean? They woke up early and then they quietly tied my hands and feet and they gagged me with a field mouse and barricaded the cave door and covered their tracks, went to water, so I'd lose their scent, and, 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 and they hit me too many 
Who needs them anyway? Yeah. And yet Sid is the one that's talking the whole time about the three or the four of them being a herd, Mm -hmm. a family. Mm -hmm. Because he's so desperate for one. Obviously, his family doesn't like him. It's sad. (laughs) That's the nice thing about thinking about being adopted into the family of Christ. Adoption is the family you choose Mm -hmm. instead of the family you're born with. And I think that adoption is beautiful. And it's a wonderful concept of thinking how we fit into, as I you know, bring it up again, the whole idea of everybody is belonging in, in the family of God, that we all, we have been adopted into a family that will not turn us down and will throw us away. And there's none of that rivalry. Well, mm-hmm. there, there is rivalry because we're human and we sin, yeah. but there, there isn't any of that, um, the kind of tension that arises in a blood family. Marriage is even addressed in this. And this is Manny and Sid talking just before they find the baby. And and then she picked this hair off my shoulder and said, look, if you're going to have an extra mating dance, at least pick a female with the same color pelt, right? And I thought, whoa, she's going to go praying mantis on me, you know what I'm saying? Hey, if you find a mate in life, you should be loyal. In your case, grateful. Now get away from me. Well, I think mating for life is stupid. <laughs> Interesting, though. But scripture says, Jesus Christ was asked about divorce and remarriage, and Mm -hmm. he answered to explain what marriage should be. And in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6, and he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? Jesus is quoting from Genesis taking it as literal history, as the foundation for marriage. In fact, he's quoting from both Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Yes. A lot of people say that they are separate accounts. They are actually not. And then Jesus concludes in verse 6, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. The biblical model for marriage is one man for one woman for, for life. Mm-hmm. And so it is, yeah, mating for life. Mm-hmm. Like Manny says, you should be loyal. Mm-hmm. It brings up interesting opportunity to talk about marriage with kids. And there's also the family portrayed in the, the obviously we have no sound clips for it because in this movie the humans don't talk. <laughs> but there is a family portrayed in, in the human culture they show too because it's the 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 baby is torn from his family because when the tigers attack the the father's defending the tribe mm-hmm. and the mother takes the baby and runs and is chased by a tiger and then she has to give up her life to save the baby which mm-hmm. is a very sad and meaningful moment in in this in the story that even the animals recognize the fact that she is pushing the baby to them and yeah it's like some weird mystical connection of yeah. communication between man and the animals there yeah it's but you know you really can't take the animals uh, in this movie as being real animals because they're right. they're they're portraying human characteristics the anthro- anthropomorphism is just rampant in this movie you none of the animals behave like real animals do so you almost have to reverse the roles and that <laughs> the animals are people and just discuss <laughs> with them as people because that's really what they are well and sit not sid diego makes an interesting statement, though, about marriage himself. Well, it's more of just a jab, a joke, but mm-hmm. it still is an interesting clip to bring out. Us? You two are a bit of an odd couple. There is no us! I see. Can't have one of your own, so you want to adopt. <laughs> kind of alluding to the weird homosexual relationships existing today. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't have their own, so they adopt or mm-hmm. go through weird means in order to have their own children. Yeah, But the biblical model, and it is from biblical history that we get this model, is for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And just an interesting observation on what you just said about homosexuality. Typically in the animal realm, homosexuality does exist, but it usually exists under on uh, populations that are under extreme stress. That's one of the things that they have noticed by 
um, examining uh, herd behavior in which males will get together or females will get together. It's it's typically an abnormal, something abnormal is happening within the herd that creates relationships that are not normal behavior. It's, there's some kind of outside or internal stress on, on, the, on the animals. And if you look at it in this movie, the two animals that are being referenced that way, even though there really isn't anything homosexual going on in the movie, and we're not saying there is, but it's kind of like you said, interesting statement. An interesting statement is that both of those animals are playing outcasts, and that they are going the wrong direction already. They're mm-hmm. already uh, de- already demonstrating wrong behavior, abnormal behavior in the context of the animal kingdom, because all the other, all the smart animals are heading south, and they are going the wrong direction. So, I mean, in in some ways, they're actually showing the abnormal nature of homosexuality, if they were even trying to portray it. And that it's a choice, not that they were born that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll probably get tons of hate mail from that. (laughs) Oh, that's fine. Bring it on. Us at areyoujustwatching.com or (laughs) 859-353-4332. But speaking of family, there's a spot where Sid is trying to hit on a couple female sloths. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) It's not much to look at, but it's so hard to find a family guy. Tell me about it. Well, the sensitive ones get eaten. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not much to talk about there but just oh funny. it's funny yeah now we mentioned the humans several times and how well diego says that they don't talk and i can't find my clip for that <laughs> where's the baby audio clip I found the audio clip. That's just my, you know, where's the audio clip? There it is. <laughs> Save your breath, Sid. You know humans can't talk. So humans can't talk, supposedly. In this movie? Yeah. Well, they at least can't talk the same language that animals talk. Right. And they are conveyed as being supposedly cavemen and pri- primitive mm-hmm. primitive they, i think they're trying to show them being neanderthals i think that's what their prison you know what's interesting while we were watching this i was making note of every human characteristic that they gave the humans mm-hmm. everything except speech pretty much the humans wore clothes they have establishments of family they uh, miss their dead they make tools and weapons they construct tents they wear jewelry they have trained pets, domesticated pets. They have a sense of value of possessions. They have self-sacrifice. They even have a sense of style. <laughs> <laughs> because like, they have these different stylized clothes and different mm-hmm. hairstyles and such. But apparently they have no concept of humor. And we see they don't know how to pack. <laughs> <laughs> they just up and move and they leave They actually burn their place down. <laughs> yeah. So the humans, it's like everything except speech in these mm-hmm. humans. Now they do design them. They drew them to look kind of Neanderthalish. Mm-hmm. My, my take on that, and it's not necessarily that they are presenting that humans can't speak. I think it's necessarily that they're saying that humans cannot communicate with animals on the same level. So we're on the animal side of things. We're seeing the animals speaking animal talk to each other, and they're communicating. But the humans are external to that. They're not animals, and so they're out. Whatever communication they use cannot be counted as speech Mm -hmm. by the animals. I mean, if we walked up to a horse, a horse probably wouldn't think that we could talk because we're not talking the language a horse understands. I think that may have been the point they were trying to make in the movie. They may not have necessarily been saying that humans can't speak, that they can't communicate with animals, I think. Maybe. the, the concept they had there. Yeah, I think the evolutionary timeline would say that language, rough language, mm-hmm. has started to evolve at this point. Mm-hmm. But I think it's still an evolution-based statement that humans don't have language yet, right. intelligible language. Humans, though, are also seen to be predators in this. Mm-hmm. And that's how they are communi- continually 
communicated as being predators. And there's this point where Manny is kind of teasing the baby and just looking at the baby, and he says this. Look at you. You're going to grow into a great predator. Huh. I don't think so. What do you got? You got a little patch of fur, no fangs, no claws. Your folds of skin wrapped in mush. What's so threatening about you? And then later, Diego says about the humans. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Why not? Because if we save him, he'll grow up to be a hunter. And who do you think he'll hunt? So it's this idea that humans are just hunters mm-hmm. and just predators. And we actually find out a little backstory on Manny. They kind of that they show on the cave drawings that he lost mm-hmm. his family to human hunters. Another indication of the big, powerful animal being slaughtered by weak man. And these little humans mm-hmm. are the predators. Right. And that's part of what Manny is saying is that it's just ironic. This little lump of skin and mm-hmm. tiny little tuft of fur on the head is like, oh, you're going to be some great predator. <laughs> I think in some ways, this movie really does portray humanity as unique from the animal mm-hmm. kingdom. I One of the problems with evolutionary thought is, is that it, it takes away that special creation that man is. God created man specially we weren't created as part of the animals or there was a separate you know creation that made adam and then eve was taken out of adam and so man is a special creation and i think this movie actually does a very good job of showing man as being a part away from separate from the animals and that all the animals could communicate with each other but man can't communicate with them Man is standing separate, and he does different things. And um, I think, I, I, I actually, my hat's off to the movie on that. They did a very mm-hmm. good job. And the scriptural reference there is Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And then in chapter two, which is a closer up look at the sixth day of creation and the creation of man, in chapter two, as it's describing the creation of man, in verse seven, it says, in chapter two, verse seven, it says, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That is a term that's used applying only to man. So not only was man created in God's image, mm-hmm. he was created through a different process than the rest of the creatures. The rest of the creatures were just created by God speaking them into existence. Mm-hmm. Man was formed of the dust of the ground, and God breathed into him the breath of life. Now, animals have breath of life too, mm-hmm. but it uses a phrase that applies only to man, and that is it says that he became a living being mm-hmm. actually more implying the spirit right. that man has. That so it, it's good that that movie at least shows them as being completely separate because evolutionists would say that humans are just another form of animal. And if that if they were trying to present that, then there there wouldn't have been that whole speech thing. I think because humans would have been on the same level mm-hmm. as the animals, and there would have been communication there as as man being an animal and not being something separate from the animal world. And it's never really said that man is less intelligent Mm-mm. than the creatures. The well, they're, only they're tool using. Yeah. Uh, there, there is absolutely no way that you could look at how they present humans in this movie and say that they were even as as even ape men because they they have all of the uh, indications, as you've already commented, of culture, mm-hmm. uh, and they they mourn their dead and they uh, grieve. And, you know, the whole spiritual aspect of man is even represented there. And, and then the, the, even the forgiveness and the thanking at the end where the man gives him the necklace, gives Manny the necklace, and, and thanks for bringing the baby back. Yeah. Now let's move on to natural selection. <laughs> Survival of the finished. I don't think so. 
survival of the fittest and natural selection have sometimes been considered the same thing. To some degree, it is. Mm -hmm. Now, I should explain, creationists do believe in natural selection. Mm -hmm. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. They think that because uh, natural selection has been tagged so much with evolution that that it's not a creationist concept. Mm -hmm. I think natural selection was around a lot longer as a concept before even Darwin. It was actually creation scientists Mm -hmm. or Christians that discovered natural selection. Darwin is the one that took it over and said that the origin of species by process of natural selection mm-hmm. and the you know favored races and all of that. Natural selection is a a filtering process. Mm-hmm. A way that I like to refer to it or illustrate it is imagine a bunch of letters in the alphabet. You've got the entire alphabet all as little cereal pieces. You know, you get alphabet cereal and you've got all the letters in there. You put all of those letters in a bowl. That's the first generation. Then what you do is you remix that bowl and you multiply it and then you populate another bowl with it or you combine two bowls and then you end up with the second generation. Well, some letters aren't going to be there. Mm -hmm. Some are. Now that's genetic selection there, just genetic variation. Natural selection is where certain genes and certain characteristics just can't survive very well in certain environments. Mm-hmm. Like dogs with long hair in, yeah. in a desert or dogs with short hair in the Arctic. So it's not that dogs with long hair evolve into dogs with short hair mm-hmm. in the desert. It's that the dogs with short hair survive, survive better. And so that population overtakes the other population. It's not a changing process. It's the favorable mutations and that, and most end up of the giving time them some even, kind of it's advantage. It's not even mutations. It's right. just, the, just the selection. Selection of the information that's already there. Mm-hmm. So natural selection is a very creationist model. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when God created all humankind or all life kind, he said he told them to reproduce after their own kind, right? not to change into other kinds of animals. And so God designed into the very first cats and dogs and dinosaurs and different animals, all of this genetic variation, this huge alphabet of information. Mm-hmm. And then with each generation, there was natural variation because of simply the remixing of the genes. And then there's this process of natural selection where certain creatures survive better in other environments mm-hmm. than others, just like penguins. The penguin population in northern Kentucky is very low. <laughs> <laughs> they could all probably exist across the, ro- across the river in the zoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the aquarium that or we have aquarium, here near yeah. Cincinnati. Because this just isn't a good environment for penguins to live. Mm-hmm. If we bring a bunch of penguins here and let them roam around northern Kentucky or Cincinnati and try and let them survive, they're not going to evolve. They won't adapt because they just don't have that genetic information. Now, there might be some of them that will survive here because we do know that penguins can live in warm culture. So it is Mm -hmm. warm environments. It's not necessarily the environment that's against it. It has to do more with their uh, where they ended up and with how the environment associated with them because here they may have predators that would wipe them out because they can't um, swim away and they can't fly so therefore they're more vulnerable to predators it may not necessarily be an environmental issue so it's more yeah i see what you're saying so it's more like they couldn't thrive Mm -hmm. here they might be able to survive but they would survive much better somewhere else right so it's not animals changing so that they can survive Mm -hmm. it's Natural, being naturally filtered out based on their environment, survivability in the environment. And consider, though, the sense of a lion versus a man. Which one is the fittest? (laughs) The lion? Which one was more likely to survive? The man. The man. Well, if he's properly armed and intelligent enough. Right. Because that's where the difference is. Intelligence can (laughs) trump, yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, the physical fitness and there are certain movies that portray this to humorous extents (laughs) of 
that someday it's all of the dumb people that survive and populate the earth and all the intelligent people die off and they don't repopulate. But that that's something else and we're never going to talk about that movie again. I think and one of the things that's always fascinated me about natural selection is the inevitableness of being filtered to the point where you can no longer adapt. Right. And we can even see that in human culture because we have so much illness and disease among our our people. I mean, we have kids born with all kinds of genetic disorders, Mm -hmm. and uh, basically it's a mixing of recessive genes, and you end up getting weaker and weaker populations the more you uh, select and and inbreed and isolate, the, the less healthy you are. And it's always fascinating to me. It's like you talk about certain species of animals that have so highly specialized to their environment that you can't move them somewhere else and have them survive. But if you were to take that kind of that species and mix it with another species that's, that lives somewhere else, you can actually bring back some of that variable information. And I think that's actually a reason to be against the so-called problem with interracial marriage but mm-hmm. in humanity is uh, culturally speaking we tend to marry somebody who's the closest like us and that actually causes inbreeding and I, I know I'm completely off topic here but it just fascinates me that we have uh, that natural selection is actually can be detrimental to survive, survival mm-hmm. that's why I think Sid was right. Survival of the fittest? I I don't think think so. so. Right. Survival of the ones with the biggest missiles. (laughs) (laughs) I want to play this clip one last time. Where's the baby? There he is! Before we close, though, I just want to make one little comment. Um, There's not a clip for it, but there was a comment that was made in the movie where I think somebody told Sid that he was an embarrassment to nature. Yeah. And which he kind of is in the movie. They kind of portray him as being a, a real idiot. But as a Christian, my the thing that popped into my mind when I thought about that being an embarrassment to nature, what does nature care? Hmm. Nature is not a person that you can embarrass or upset or anger or and so often we hear nature per- personified. Nature makes decisions. It chooses who's going to adapt and who's not going to adapt. It chooses- nature selects. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you, so often, especially in the secular and evolutionary uh, concept of the past or the present, they give nature this thinking ability. And I think it's just an, a way of getting away from who God is, because we know that God is intelligent. God created, he spoke the world into existence, and he does all of these things that so many people um, personify nature to do. And when I thought about that, I was like, can we embarrass God? And I don't think we necessarily can embarrass God. God doesn't, sin- I don't think not God can be embarrassed, but we can definitely deny him. And, and, um, Second Timothy two eleven thirteen, 13, it says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And in Matthew uh, 10, 33, uh, Jesus says, whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my father is who, who is in heaven. And it just made me remember that, and we don't have to worry about being an embarrassment to people around us, we don't have to worry about embarrassing nature because nature can't be embarrassed. But we do have to worry about how we present God to others and how we relate to God as a person because he will deny us if we deny him. And so many, when they're they're personifying nature and putting nature in the place of God, they are denying God Hmm. and his, his creative power, his ultimate right to judge. Everything about God, they are denying him when they give that personification to nature. I saw a similar verse referenced by the I Am Not Ashamed Twitter account. Mm -hmm. Um, You can go over to IamNotAshamed.org, awesome campaign. We've mentioned it before. They posted a tweet about Luke 9.26 that says, "Forever For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him 
when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to send us your feedback, we'd love to hear from you on Ice Age, the first one. We might someday talk about the second and third movies as well because yes, we there have to are specify movies because we still only believe in one Ice Age. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can send your feedback, email it, audio files welcome to us at areyoujustwatching.com. That's us at areyoujustwatching.com. You can call it in to 859 353 4332 or leave a comment on the show notes are you just watching.com slash podcast slash 15 for this episode or get slash 14 for last week's episode last week we yeah i said that, that and realized wait was it is it going to be a week apart i guess now it has to be and i want to make sure that you do go to those show notes because we'll also link to some articles from Answers in Genesis. They have a good review on the movie Ice Age and also some articles about the Ice Age. So check out the show notes for both episodes so that you can see those and you can see some of the pictures of these the things in the <laughs> that we can't actually Evolutionary Museum. Yeah, yeah. that we can't <laughs> can't show play Fire. an audio clip. Yeah. yeah. So you can look at the pictures there. Also, you can follow the show on twitter.com slash are you just watching? That's are you the letters just watching? We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash are you just watching? Fully spelled out there. On Twitter, I'm the ramen noodle. And I'm Eve Franklin. And as you get to our website, we'd appreciate it if you'd consider donating to us and supporting what we do here. You can find the donate button on the lower part of the right sidebar or you can also do your shopping through amazon and we get a small portion of your order back as a kind of donation it's pretty cool and it doesn't cost you anything to do that you can shop through amazon by using our affiliate link which is are you just watching.com slash amazon so make sure that you check out our resources go back listen to some episodes tell others about the podcast and let us know what your thoughts are on Ice Age the movie or the Ice Age the event. <laughs> or the global flood or <laughs> yeah. homosexuality or <laughs> and we'll include it sometime yeah. so thank you so much for sticking around with us and if you're new thanks for joining us but above all to everyone who's hearing this thanks for listening and don't just watch are You Just Watching is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com. The opening vocal talent is thanks to Mariah. Our theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis from their exciting Vacation Bible School curriculum, Operation Space, which you can find at AnswersVBS.com. Find more great, clean podcasts like this one at cleancasts.com.